all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's say it together. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest. I come to him just as I am, but I won't stay as I am because the message I'm prepared to receive will make me more like the great I am. I am blessed and I am favored in Jesus' name. Remain standing, if you would, one verse I'm going to look at, Hebrews chapter 11. We looked at Hebrews 11 and 6 uh, on last week. It says, them that come to God must believe that he is, and he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Say, I believe he is, and I believe he wants to reward me. Mister, what does he want to reward me for? After all that hell you've been through, you're still faithful. You still pray. You still worship. Other people threw in the towel. Other people gave up. Other people quit. But you. So now I want to look at Hebrews 11 and 1. Watch this, Hebrews 11 and 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the what? Evidence of things not seen. Now, watch this. Look at me. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you might think you know what this verse means. But I'm getting ready to show you something. Because what you maybe thought it means, it doesn't quite mean that. So, so say, Father, in the name of Jesus, today, this atmosphere is conducive for my faith to increase, for my faith to grow. I declare I will have fruit as a result of this teaching. Tangible fruit results in my life. I'm not just going to speak it. I believe I shall see it. In Jesus' name. Father, I decrease that you mean increase. Taylor, make this word for us, your people, that we would move and walk in those things that you have ordained. Make it so that when I speak, Father, people will believe that somehow somebody's had them under surveillance because you're going to speak in such a poignant and direct way into the predicaments, vicissitudes, and circumstances that your people face that they will know that they 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 know that their God has not just heard them, but their God has also seen what they've been dealing with. And their God has an announcement for them today. The surge is on. The surge is on. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, I want you to high five two or three people. But listen, I want you to tell them uh, there's another word for surge called exodus. Tell them that. Tell them that. There's another word for surge called exodus. Watch this. 
this year, you got it, you can be seated. This year, you and our church are in a surge. A surge is a sudden and powerful forward or upward movement. And to start this surge, our first series of this year has been to fortify our faith. Somebody say fortify or strengthen and build my faith. Uh, now, last week, we broke down part of Hebrews 11 and 1, and it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope in the Greek, your New Testament there would be translated into the Greek uh, to us and then from Greek to English for us. And hope there means el peace, which is the word to anticipate or welcome. So then faith is the substance of things uh, uh, I anticipate or that I welcome. And to welcome something often means to get out of your comfort zone, which means risk. I'm going to tell you that if you're going to really be the curse breaker in your bloodline, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. Zone. Hear me, faith and comfort are enemies to one another. Please understand, if you want to be comfortable, then you don't want to be great because greatness requires you to get uncomfortable sometimes. So stop cursing your discomfort and start embracing it because if you're uncomfortable in whatever you're facing, that means God is stretching and increasing your faith. So stop looking around saying, I just don't know what's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. There's a surge going on in your life. There's increase going on in your life. Somebody say, thank God. For the discomfort. Now, now, check this out. Please understand, uh, to get out of our comfort zones means we got to risk something. And risk means the potential of losing something of value. But we often value the wrong thing. We often value comfort. But we understand this, that if I want to see God's word manifested in my life, I'm going to have to get uncomfortable. Somebody say, get uncomfortable. That's why I thank God for the people that don't mind getting out of their seats to come to the altar and radically praise God. Because please understand, that might not be their disposition. That might be their normal, might not be their normal or default way of doing things. But some in them says, I can't keep staying stuck the way I'm stuck. I got to get out of my seat and I got to get out of my comfort zone because the blessings in the comfort zone, out of the comfort zone, are you still here? Now watch this. Uh, 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 faith then is not what we believe alone. But it's what we do based on what we believe. So last week, we learned that you already have the measure of faith. So when we say give me faith, really what we're doing is making a statement about something that we already have. Because the measure of faith we learned that we have last week is a what? Mustard seed. And we learned last week that that measure of faith can be increased for three ways. The first was consuming life-giving messages. Romans 10, 17. Now faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Which means whatever you hear, you will eventually believe. Whatever you believe, you will eventually act on. Which means if you got a lot of crazy relatives that are in your ear, you're going to eventually believe all the crazy stuff that they're speaking in your ear and you'll act on their craze opposed to his word. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? The second way was to ask God to help your unbelief. Uh, help there in the Greek meant a war cry. In Mark 9, there was a man who wanted to see healing in his son's life. And he says, Lord, I believe, he said, but help my unbelief. Now, uh, on the surface level, it looks like he was just literally asking the Lord to help him. He was saying, Lord, I got 80%. Can you give me the 20%? Lord, I got $100. Can you give me the other 50 to cover it? Lord, I got five on it. Can you give me the rest? But literally, this word means here, it's a war cry, which means literally what this man did is more than what this word leads on by initial glance. This man, through his prayer, through his praise and his worship, let out a war cry, and he was saying, Lord, help my unbelief. In other words, he was started to praise God because he knew that as he praised and worshiped God, that his faith was going to get strengthened. 
Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? That's why you can't just think it's hype or it's emotionalism when we're praising and worshiping God. Can I let you in on a secret? Uh, you can be emotional and not be spiritual, but you cannot be spiritual and, be, and not be emotional. Because when your spirit begins to connect with God's spirit, when the you that's here on earth begins to connect with the God that is in heaven and the God that dwells on the inside of you, something begins to build your faith. That's why you may have walked in here discouraged, but you walk out encouraged. You may have walked in here depressed, but you walk out... But your faith is increasing. So literally he was saying, Lord, increase my faith and do it through my praise and worship. The third way we learned then that our faith can be increased was through beating resistance. Say, I must win. It's not enough to just fight. You got to fight and you got to win. Trouble comes from the future into the present, often using the past as a weapon against you to stop your forward progress, which means the trouble you're facing now has nothing to do with what you're currently experiencing in life. It came from the future into your present. It's like Terminator. Your trouble has already taken a peek at your surge, and your trouble is trying to stop you from keeping faithful while the surge is in process. But I believe there's some people in here today that say, I'm like MC Hammer, baby. I'm too legit to quit. And it may get rough, but watch me keep on pressing. It may get tough, but watch me keep on pressing. Now watch this. Say, I'll beat the resistance. Now watch this. Now that's the review. Now let's move into new stuff. Like a hall of fame of faith, Hebrews 11 summarizes some of the actions of ordinary people with less than perfect past that did extraordinary things, just like you and I. See, the truth of the matter is, is that ain't nobody in here got a, clear, a crystal clear past. And truth be told, you got some B.C. stuff, but then you got some A.D. stuff, too. And See, that's why you ought to thank God for a church like Harvest, where you don't have to sit around and fake and play like you this and you're that, but you can come and be real. I, is there anybody here that's glad that you're part of a church where you can be real? Aren't you glad you're part of a church where it's not okay to be uh, to, it's okay to not be okay, but that's all right. If I'll keep coming, I'm a witness that the word that the man of God is preaching will change my life. Aren't you? God, look at your neighbor and say, your past ain't perfect. Tell him, say, but neither is mine. And what I love about God is that despite your messed up past and despite your failures, and this, is there anybody that can thank God that there's a but? You may have had the abortion, but God. You may have failed in your finances, but God. You may be messed up your marriage, but I have had your neighbor say, but God, but God. These were people with less than perfect past that did extraordinary things just like you and I. And one of those people mentioned in the Hall of Fame of Faith of Hebrews 11 is Moses. Say Moses. He's most known for leading the exodus from Egypt. And I want to encourage you to read the narrative yourself because it's very different than you often see in theatrical presentations. Hear me, movies are not a substitute for the Bible. Don't think that you just read the whole book of Exodus because you went to go see the movie Exodus. <laughs> in fact, the story is often very different than the theatrical presentations. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you don't have the Harvest app with the other 1,301 people around the world that have it, I want to encourage you to be 1,302 and download the Harvest app because you can read the Bible every single day. And here's this. Check this out. It'll read the Bible to you, which means you don't even have to sit there and look at it. You can hit play, and it'll read the Bible to you. Y'all ain't saying nothing. What kind of church is this? Well, we can hit play, and the Bible will read to us. In case you didn't know, now you know. It's Harvest with the V. Watch this. Watch this. Now, for the sake of brevity, I'll sum up Exodus chapters 1 through 5 to say that Moses didn't think he had what it took to lead the people. But for that reason was he sent. Hear me. Often when it's God, you feel inadequate. 
Often when it's God, you'll think, I don't have what it takes. Often when it's God, you'll look at it and say, I don't know if I could handle that. But I'm going to tell you, for that reason, Moses was sent. Moses said, Lord, I got this problem. I got this issue. I got this issue. They won't believe me. Lord, I can't speak well. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, I can't do this. But the Lord says, Moses, I don't care nothing about that. For this reason that I send you. Which means somebody in here today, you've been giving God all your excuses. God, I'll be faithful to church as soon as I fix this. God, I'll start serving as soon as I fix this. That's not how it works. The way it works is that you come to him just as you are. But then you don't plan on staying as you are. Because his word will radically transform you. Bishop, what are you trying to tell me? He knew about your problems before he chose you. He knew about your issues before he chose you. That's why the scripture says that he doesn't call the justified. He justifies those that he calls. Which I dare you to look at your neighbor and just say, I know he's called me for such a time as this. Somebody said, Bishop, what are you called to be? You're called to be the curse breaker in your bloodline. You're called to be the history maker in your bloodline. You're called to be the Jacob in your bloodline, the heel grabber, the supplanter, one who supersedes and replaces that which was. You're called to be the surge in your bloodline. But now watch this. Watch this. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. Y'all still here? Uh, Moses, he said, Lord, I don't feel good enough. But the Lord says, Moses, for this reason, where you sent. In fact, it's even indicated in his name. Moses' name means to draw out, to bring out. Now watch this. Say two meanings. They named him that because uh, they drew him out of the water. One of the other people that's mentioned or some of the other people that's mentioned in Hebrews, can I teach you a little bit more? I, I got a little bit more time at this experience. Can I give you a little bit more? In Hebrews 11, Moses' parents are mentioned as people of faith. Now, this is interesting because the scripture says that they saw the child was beautiful and they sent him down the river. And the Bible says that was faith. Now, what's faith about looking at your child and saying your child looks good? Most parents, when they look at their child, they're going to say their child looks beautiful, whether that's accurate or perhaps otherwise. Everybody's beautiful to Jesus. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? But, but beautiful in Hebrew doesn't mean appearance. Beautiful in Hebrew in that particular instance, and it's the only time that word is used in the entire Bible, it literally means that he was reserved for the people. <laughs> Which means when Moses' parents looked at him, they said, he's not for us. He belongs to the world. He belongs to the people. So their faith, watch this, was not being shelfish with their son. Can I tell some of you parents, your children, God is going to use them to do things that you never have the ability to do. And you're going to have to learn how to not be selfish with them because they're going to rise up and lead many people to Jesus. They're going to rise up and be the millionaires. And the but that's not what I'm preaching about. But watch this. Moses' name. So they sent him down the river. They literally drew him out of the river. So they said, we shall call his name Moses, Moshe, Hebrew. We shall call his name Moses because we drew him out. But not only does his name mean that he was drawn out of the water. Watch this. He is the one that draws the people out of slavery. Which means even in his name is his purpose. I said, even in his name was his purpose. In other words, Moses, you can run, but you can't hide. You are created to do what you are created to do. And I'm talking to somebody in here where you've been trying to run from faithfulness to God because you know there's a call on your life. I'm here to tell you, you can run, Moses, but you can't hide. Because even your name means. Now watch this. He's, he's like, God, he's like, God, I don't want to do this. He's like, I, I don't have what it takes. Hear me. You don't need to increase your faith to the remain the way you are. You need faith to become the I am that he made you before you were born, that you are in the process of becoming. 
You don't need any faith to keep doing what you've been doing. You need faith to interrupt the cycle of what you've been doing to walk in something new. You don't need faith to reproduce the generational junk of your bloodline. Everybody in your bloodline's been doing that. You need faith to break rank and say, wait a minute, just because y'all been doing it this way doesn't mean that this is the way God has ordained for it to be. You don't need faith to stay the same. You need faith to change. So watch this. Moses, he goes and he tells the Israelites that their slavery is coming to an end. And the scripture says that he had to perform signs in order for them to believe. Now, this is interesting because he goes to tell them your slavery is getting ready to be over. And, and essentially their response was, we don't really believe that you will have to show us something. Question, pregunta in Spanish, why would the descendants of Jacob, you remember Jacob, we talked about him on New Year's Eve, Jacob was the heel grabber, he was the supplanter, one who replaces or supersedes that which is no longer efficient or sufficient, uh, he was the serger in his bloodline, why would the descendants of this man, children of Israel, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, so they are the descendants of this man, why would they need signs to believe? It's in their DNA to do things that had not been done before. So why do they need signs to believe? Here it is, because they had been slaves for so long, their minds were set for slavery. Often the greatest obstacle most people face isn't Satan, it's their mindset. I'm going to tell you, sometimes the greatest enemy you ever face is the inner me because your mindset has set to tell you what you cannot do and what you can do. It's given you boundaries. It's given you limitations. It tells you you better not apply for that. They may decline you. It's told you don't do this. It's told you don't do that. It has placed boundaries and limitations on you. But I believe there are some Jacobs in the house today that say, I don't care that my mindset's telling me I can't. I don't care that my mindset's trying to keep me bound. I believe that I believe check this out. You don't often know that there's another way of life available until a Moses comes and tells you that. That's why Moses represented the man of God. Let me say it another way. He represented your pastor. You ought to thank God that you got a pastor that will get up and tell you there is more to life than what you've been living. There is greater ahead of you than what you've been experiencing. And you are the curse breaker. Stop settling for life the way it's been. There is more because you were created and in this year you're going to see the surge. Watch this. Their exodus or their surge from Egypt, it doesn't happen overnight. Somebody said it doesn't happen overnight. It comes after 10 plagues. And watch this. While I'll literally tell you what happened in these 10 plagues, I'll show you what these 10 plagues can also represent in your life today. So now watch this. The first plague was that water, the Nile River there, uh, the water there was turned into blood. Say blood. blood. And the fish died. Somebody say the fish died. Now please understand, you can't have no fish fried with dead fish. No, you got to catch them things and you live. Because dead fish is nasty fish. And nasty fish shouldn't be eaten. It should be looked at. Actually, it really shouldn't be looked at. It should be disposed of. Now, watch this. Please understand. Uh, the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. Now, uh, uh, say water, water into blood. Now, Bishop, what does this represent? For you, it could represent stagnation. Because stagnation stinks. Literally, blood in Scripture represents life. So now the water is turned into blood, but it's stagnant. And it's so stagnant that the fish that are in the water begin to die. And since the fish that are in the water begin to die, it represents stagnation in your life. Stagnation is when you look at your life and you say, you know what? I'm really frustrated with the amount of progress I've made. 
See, if you can be honest today, there are some of you that when you look at all of the labor you've put in in life, and then you look at the quality of life you're living, you can get frustrated sometimes. In fact, this is what happens often to many individuals while they go through midlife and, and post-midlife and post-post-midlife crises. They go through crises because they look at their lives and say, what in heaven has been going on? I've been laboring. I've been working. I've been putting in my 401. I've been putting in my Roth. I've been doing this. I've been doing this. Why, after all of this, is that all I have to show? After all the people I done helped and after all the people I helped get through, why is it there's nobody here to help me when I need some help? After everybody I prayed for, who's praying for me? After everybody, anybody ever felt stagnant in life? The second plague, say the second plague. Seven days later, after that plague, there are frogs everywhere in Egypt. What does that represent, Bishop? It represents annoying problems everywhere. Literally, the Bible says they were everywhere. And, and please understand, and it represents the frustration felt when things look like they're getting better in your life. But then all hell breaks loose. I said, Bishop, how does a frog represent that? Because when the frogs came, Pharaoh started to act like he was going to change his mind and let the people go. But then he says, Moses, go pray for me that the frogs leave. Isn't that something? That the man that was oppressing the Israelites asked the Israelites to go pray for him. Isn't it something when God takes somebody that's been trying to push you down and keep you down and mess you up and tells you, now don't be kind to them. Go pray for your enemies. Isn't that perplexing when God tells you, go pray for your enemies? You want me to pray for somebody that's been talking about me? You want me to be kind to somebody that I know has been trying to stir stuff up about me? That's exactly what he says. He said, what good is it that you love those that love you? Anybody can do that. But real faith is when you can be kind to those that have treated you like trash. Are you still here? Pharaoh looks like he's getting ready to change his mind. And the frogs leave. And then Pharaoh's like, nope, you can't go. It looked like it was getting ready to turn. It looked like, wow, praise God. It's really getting ready to happen. And then it got shut down. Somebody say shut down. You ever felt like that in life? Like you left church one day like this is really finna happen. You believe that. This is really finna happen to me. And then something happened that just shut all of that down. I wish I had some real folks at the 1115. You got a phone call or you got an email or you got a text or you got a Facebook or a tweet that shut down all of the faith that you just worked to build up. That's what happened here. But watch this. There was a third plague. Say third plague. The third plague was that lice that came from the dust in Egypt. Now watch this. Lice feed on your skin, your blood, and lice spread disease. It's interesting because lice, the Bible says, they were made from the dust. Well, we were made from the dust, which suggests now then by a philosophical and spiritual parallel that the lice represented problems with people. Okay, people that feed on your skin, on your blood, and spread disease. What's your blood? Your life. They spread disease. What's disease? It's called gossip. And watch this. Here's what they do. They'll, they'll start, oh, poor me, oh, poor me. And then before it's over, oh, poor you, oh, poor you. That's why the scripture says, that's what the scripture says. Bitterness is like cancer. And when you find bitter people, either they got to get better fast or you got to cut them out. Because bitter people have to be cut away from the body because they're cancer to the body. And that's why some of you haven't walked in what God has ordained for your life. Because those people you call your friends really ain't nothing but bitter, bitter friends. They, they're just bitter partners. All they do is come around and bring bitterness and drama. And when boys men, why this happened? And why they do it like this? And why they do it like this? Let your neighbor say, shut that up. Lice feed on your skin, your blood, and they spread disease. Now, in humans, there are only three types of lice. Head lice, body lice, pubic lice. Head lice, body lice, pubic lice. Pubic lice have a street name. Crabs. 
Don't sit here and look at me with that tone of voice. All right, good. They're going to do it. Get the footage up. Get the... No, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just playing. If you got offended, go ahead and leave now. Go ahead and leave now. I'm just being funny. Just being funny. I'm just being funny. Watch this. Watch this. Say head lice. Now, remember, it feeds on your skin, on your blood, and spreads disease. Dis-ease. Dis-ease. I was fine until you started talking. I believed I was surging until you started talking that. Head lice. It means it messes with your mind. Skin, skin lice, body lice, it means it affects your ability to move and progress through life. But then pubic lice, watch this, it represents, it's impeding your ability to produce. The Bible says that natural things paint spiritual pictures. The Apostle Paul said first the natural, then the spiritual. But the reality is that everything begins in the spiritual, manifests in the natural to point to something that's already exists in the spiritual. So then now, it means it affects your ability to produce. Have you ever felt like you work really, really tough at something, really, really hard at something to only look at, like, where's the productivity? There's a difference between being busy and productive. See, sometimes you're busy, but being on a treadmill doesn't mean you actually went anywhere. You just gave yourself the illusion that you went somewhere. But I'm here to tell you, those days, I don't know who I'm preaching to, those days of just running on a treadmill are over. Those days of just being busy but not being productive are over. What's this? What's this? What's this? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Say the fourth plague. Fourth plague where flies were everywhere in Egypt. So to have a fly, you need a maggot. To have a maggot, something has to die, then rot. Question, what seems like it's rotting in your life? Means to decay. What seems like it's decaying? Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's your prayer. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe, maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your passion for Jesus. What is it that seems like it's decaying in your life? Because I can't have flies unless I have a maggot, and maggots feed on dead things. What has died that you still got in the house trying to resuscitate it? I'm going to help somebody right here. I'm going to park because y'all ain't saying nothing. Please understand. Christian people sometimes, you know, we like to talk about the Lord to bring this back and bring this back and bring this back. The, here's the issue with that line of thought. I've even heard preachers say, yeah, restoration. Well, to restore means to take it back to the way it was. And the way it was wasn't good enough to keep it from getting messed up. So I don't want it to be back the way it was. I need it to be better than what it was because restoration is only takes me back to where I started. But where I started was evidently insufficient to get me to where I needed to be because it got me to where I am. But where I am is stagnation. So that doesn't work. So stop saying, Lord, restore. No, I don't want him to restore. I want him to do something new. I want him to do something that I hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard and it hasn't entered it. Stop asking for that relationship back. It's over. Move into what God has ordained. Okay, I'm going to park there some more. Because some people, some people, you know, in the church, no, we need a revival. You know, that word revival doesn't actually even appear in the Bible except in the John Wayman's translation of the Bible. You don't even know who that is. Instead, it gives the word refreshing. What does it mean to revive? To revive means to bring back to life that which was dead. But what happens when you're trying to resuscitate what God killed? Maybe God is the reason they ain't your friend no more. Maybe God is the reason you don't have that relationship with your family the way you used to. Maybe God is behind that and you asking him to revive what he killed. All right, watch this, watch this. So, say fourth plague. 
There are flies everywhere, which means something was rotting, something was dying. So Pharaoh asked Moses to pray that the flies leave, and they did. But he still didn't let God's people go. Fifth plague. Somebody say fifth plague. Somebody say fifth plague. Okay, come on, 1115. That's okay. I can learn you. Somebody say fifth plague. That'll work. Watch this. The Egyptian livestock dies. Now, why is, what does this represent, Bishop? Livestock, it represents financial and logistical issues. Financial issues. Without the livestock, they had no way to make money. But then without the livestock, they had no way to get transported anywhere. So this plague represents, watch this, your ability to have your finances operate because you got logistical problems. Maybe it's a car problem. House problem. Roommate problem. It's quiet in the church. Logistical, logistical, logistics, the movement of things, the necessities that must be moved so that commerce can commence. Watch this. The sixth plague. Somebody say the sixth plague. There were boils on the Egyptians and the Egyptian animals. Please understand. It represents when something good gets infected and the infection, watch this, is likely transmitted through the lice. What happens when something starts out great, and then when you look at it, you look at it and say, where did this go wrong? Parents, have you ever had to look at your children and say, I love them, but what? Okay, nobody's going to be honest with me. Okay. Have you ever had to look at a relationship and said, I really started out thinking they were really great? Whatever context that's in. It, it starts out good, but it gets infected. Please understand, the, uh, the boils were caused by an infection of the hair follicle. So it is then a boil is what's called deep folliculitis. It is now the infection of a hair follicle. But it was fine before the infection. What's different about this than, than something rotting and dying is that the infection will one day end if it's treated properly. All right, I got to move. I'm out of Somebody say seventh plague. There was rain, hail, and fire in Egypt. Now, here's what they said about this. The Bible says that there was no hail like this before, and it struck down both man and animal. Bishop, what does the seventh plague represent? It represents a problem you've never confronted before that seemingly knocks you down. Have you ever had a problem that when it hit you, it knocked the wind out of you? Have you ever gotten a phone call that when you got off that phone, you were like, God, duh. Have you ever had a situation to where it knocked the wind out of you? And it knocked the wind out of you because it was shocking. It was surprising. You didn't anticipate it. You didn't expect it. In fact, everything seemed to be going great. And now this, it was something they didn't anticipate. Tell your neighbor say, I know about that. That's the wrong neighbor. Tell your neighbor say, I know something about that. Eighth plague. Say eighth plague. Locusts filled Egypt by an east wind. Please understand, the Bible says that when the locust came, not a green thing remained, which means the locust consumed everything that was green, everything that was living, everything that was good. And, and, and again, Pharaoh plays the same okey-doke. He's like, pray for me, forgive me, but he didn't change. Now, here's what's interesting. Pharaoh, what, what you don't see from the movies about this story, is that Pharaoh kept going to Moses, and he kept saying, hey, I sinned. I should let y'all go. Please forgive me. And matter of fact, would you go pray to God to forgive me so that, you know, frogs can leave, lice can leave. We need, you know, this is too much. There's too much going on. Pharaoh plays the same okey-doke here. I need to tell somebody, this is somebody, at minimum, proof that somebody's really sorrowful for what they did is change. Not just words. Some of you keep getting angry with people 
because you get hooked on the words, but you never watch for the change. And so, and so the issue and the predicament you find yourself in is, well, you know, Bishop, how many times am I forgiving? Well, you automatically thought that forgiveness meant to fellowship. Forgiveness means I no longer hold you responsible for what you did. I release this situation. But I'd be a fool if I keep letting you. I did this analogy years ago. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to give you this imagery. So if, if somebody's standing right here and they punch you, psh, knock you out. All right, cool. All right, man, and you know, I didn't mean to punch you. It was, it was an accident. I apologize. I'm confused on to how it was an accident, seeing as how you had to willfully do this here. But, okay, all right, good. Okay, you didn't mean to do it. All is well. Praise the Lord. Shalom. Be encouraged. Thank God for you. Now, watch this. They still standing right there. And if I choose to keep standing right here, I forgive you. But now, if they hit me again, okay. Um, I thought we just had a discussion about this. I didn't mean to do it. Please, 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 please forgive me. I didn't mean to hit you. Okay. Now, last time you said that. Okay. What did you do differently to stop that from happening this time? So watch this. The second hit on is no longer the responsibility of the hitter. I'm making it up. Flow with me. It's no longer the perpetrator's fault anymore because you chose to stay in hitting proximity. If you get hit again, it's because you wanted to be hit. Because some of the reason you're bitter is because you stay in hit proximity. And you get mad and you take out your bitterness on everybody else, but you the one keep doing the same thing that got you into the same mess. But today, Pharaoh kept saying, listen, listen, I, I apologize. I didn't mean to do that. But he didn't change. Somebody say knife play. Darkness fills all of Egypt. The Bible says for three days that it's pitch black in Egypt. Now, this is very significant because it affected all light sources. Now, I need you to catch this. It's one thing if all the lights in your house are out, right? Power outage, power surge, what have you. It's a total different thing if all the lights in your house go out. And watch this. Your phone, which has its own independent power source, cuts off too. That would then suggest to you that the, what you're experiencing is not natural and it can't be explained away. It's supernatural. The reason this is significant is because all of the previous plagues could be explained by some normal course of action. Bishop, what do you mean? Well, Pharaoh's magicians could change the water into blood. That was no big deal. And Pharaoh's magicians could bring frogs from everywhere. In fact, you could just simply say that it was frog uh, uh, season. It was a season where there were swarms of frogs. There are television shows that come on that talk about how different animals, they'll have different swarms that are called by natural, caused by natural reasons. Then the lice come from the dust in Egypt. Well, it's natural that there could be lice because the fish were dead in the water. So we could see now that the lice could come forward because they're somehow connected to the depth that's in the water. Are you still here? Then there are flies everywhere, but that could be naturally explained because if the fish are dead, that means not only could there be the potential for lice, but then there could also then be the potential uh, for maggots because since they're dead, the maggots now are feeding uh, on the fish and and then they're turning into flies. So that's explainable. The Egyptian livestock dying, that's explainable also because 
It can be a result of the lice and the maggots. It's a dirty environment. There's boils on the Egyptians where the boil comes because of an infected hair follicle. The infected hair follicle could have come because the lice spread disease. And there's rain and there's hail and there's fire. Well, that could just be explained as just some natural occurrence. Perhaps it was global warming or something. Perhaps something was just going on in the atmosphere. I saw the other day we had thunder snow where it was thundering and lightning and snowing at the same time. Maybe it was just something like that. Locusts filled Egypt by an east wind. Well, that's explainable because the wind blew the locusts in. But this ninth plague, it cannot be denied because how do you not only turn off the lights connected to a central power source, you cut off every other light that's not connected to that source. Which means darkness fills all of Egypt, which means, watch this, uh, no lights worked, no candles worked. If they lighted, it'd be turned off. So something very peculiar is going on. Somebody says that's peculiar. Bishop, what does this represent? This represents where you can't seem to trace God, so it becomes a challenge to trust God. What do you do when God turns off the lights? It's quiet in here. Please understand. Uh, somebody say darkness. Now, most of us, when we look at the darkness, we think that's bad, right? Come on, be honest. When you look at darkness, it's dark, Bishop. Bishop. It's dark in my life. I'm just trying to tell you. I need you to just help me. Pray for me, Bishop. It's dark. What does darkness represent? Darkness represents the absence of the knowledge of God. Watch this. Or the absence of the knowledge of the actions of God. Which means sometimes the darkness is me not knowing that he's there. It's just me not knowing what he's doing because I can't see him. Have you ever felt like that where you're like, God, I know you're with me because I know you said you never leave me or never forsake me. I just would like to know what you're doing. But I'm here to tell somebody they used to say it like this in the old church. God works the night shift. Y'all not hearing me. The darkness might be a, not be a sign that something's wrong. Rather, the darkness is when God does his best work. That's why the scripture says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Well, I'm here to tell you that a new day begins at midnight, but midnight is also now when it's still dark outside. Which means I'm here to tell somebody it may look dark in your life right now, but I'm here to tell you it is a new day. And I am here to tell you you are in 2015, which means you are going to surge. Just your neighbor said, don't be scared of the dark. And here's the problem with the dark. The other day, the other day, can I tell you a story? I'm going to tell you the way. So the other day, I, I called myself uh, trying to get up, and it's dark. And I called myself not turning no lights on. And so I got up, and I was like, I know my way around my house. I said, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm not turning no lights on. And when I sleep, I like it dark. I don't want to see the sunrise. I don't want to see all that. Cover them up. Blocked the sun out. Yesterday, the weather was kind of like this here, you know, kind of like that. So I was like, at the beginning of the day, I had the heat on. To the end of the day, I had the air on. When I got back, now, watch this. Here's the point. I, uh, I called myself trying to walk around the house, and I got up, and I thought I knew exactly where I was. And after I ran into the wall, Now listen, it should have been a simple, simple, simple walk. It's two steps to the, to the right, four steps forward, five steps to the left, boom, there's the door for the room I was in. Problem is, when it was dark, watch this, my perception of my environment changed. For some of you, it's been dark in your life, so your perception of what's really happening is off. It seems worse to you than it really is because you can't see because you ran into the wall like I did. You didn't know that the door was actually just another step over here. 
Anybody ever been in that circumstance where you, you've been in darkness? Been in darkness? And, and so, my, my sis, I'm here to tell you, the darkness might not be a sign that something's wrong. That's when God does his best work. The Bible says it was dark in Egypt, but there was light in Goshen. Now, you actually think, because you looked at the movie, you actually think they lived in Egypt. The Israelites worked in Egypt. They lived in Goshen. The Bible made it clear that it was dark in Egypt, but it was light in Goshen. You don't understand what I'm saying. You don't understand what I'm saying. Which means it was dark where they worked, but it was light where they lived. Bishop, what are you trying to say? Let me make it down, make it real simple. Don't let the darkness over there block the light that's in here. Don't let the darkness that surrounds you block the light that's in you. I said it to him this morning. Y'all remember the old song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm, a, I'm here to tell you, the light of the world lives on the inside of you. And don't let the darkness that's around you stop you. Don't let the darkness that's around you beat you down. Touch your neighbor and say, don't let that darkness do that. No, no, watch this. Watch this. I got to move. Uh, Pharaoh calls them in, and he says, you can leave. Now, again, if you watch the movies, you didn't see this. Because Pharaoh's like, uh, you know, you think the first time Pharaoh offers them an opportunity to go is when they get ready to walk out after the firstborn dies. Somebody say, that's not true. It was so dark, Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron. He said, listen, you can just leave. Just go ahead. He says, oh, but there's a condition. You can't take your flocks and herds with you. But Moses says to Pharaoh, mm -mm, that ain't going to work. We've been through 430 years of hell. And if you think I'm just going to walk out of this hell empty-handed, you must not know about me. I'm here to tell somebody, you need to start making the hell you've gone through pay you. Some of you got books in you. Some of you got testimonies in you. You've been through stuff that other people lost their mind. They cut their wrists. They blew their brains. But you, you somehow made it through. You somehow are thriving. Touch your neighbor and say, make hell pay you. <laughs> Moses said, oh, no, we're not leaving empty-handed. But look at what happens next. God tells Moses. He says, Moses, he says, all right. Nine plagues have happened. How many? He's like, Moses, I think I've about accomplished what I want to accomplish with Pharaoh. Because even he calls me Lord now. Some of what you're going through isn't for you. It's because there are other people that are watching you. That God is going to bring them to him through watching you. Can I give you some revelation? The scripture says that no man comes to the Lord except the spirit draws him, which means you don't even choose God. God pre-chooses you. See, you thought you chose to come here today. What you don't know is that it was the Holy Ghost that chose you today. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Which means this. Sometimes God uses you as the draw for other people because when they look at how you handle what you go through, they say, there must be a God. The God that, because I saw them the other week, I saw them the other year, there must be a God. Now watch this. God says, he tells Moses, he says, go prepare the people for an exodus. Go prepare the people for a surge. And I want you to tell them to ask what they want from the Egyptians. Now, wait a minute. On Sunday, these Egyptians were slaves. Now, Bishop, was it literally Sunday? No, I'm just making a point. Because today's Sunday. Two people know it's Sunday. What's today? What's the day? Okay, good. Maybe you needed me to holler at you so you knew what the day was. 
All right, watch this now. You still here? God says, Moses, they've been giving you hell for 430 years. It didn't actually start that way because the scripture says that the only reason they became slaves is because a new pharaoh, a new king, a new regime, a new administration had come in. And the new administration didn't know nothing about Joseph. And they looked at the Hebrews and said, let us deal with them shrewdly, lest they become greater and mightier than we. So at first it was good. Then it was bad. Now God says, go to them. And I want you to ask them, watch this, for silver and clothing. In fact, the Lord says, ask them for what you want. Because on Sunday, they look at you as a slave. But I'm going to change the way they look at you. And I'm going to make them favor you. I'm here to tell somebody, could it be that what was giving you hell last year is going to be what blesses you this year? Could it be who has been given who and what has been giving you hell in the first 11 days of this year? Could it be they're going to be the source of blessing? He says, Moses, and I got to shift into fifth gear here. Watch this. He says, Moses, I need you to go, and I need you to uh, tell your people to go ask for whatever they want from the Egyptians because I'm getting ready to change how they look at you. They're going to look at you with favor, and favor means preferential treatment. What I love about our God is that he will take people that are content on keeping you down and that are content on trying to mess you up, and he'll, in the middle of the night, give them a dream and turn their heart. There's some people, you got some stuff coming up this week, and if you'll praise him today, God says, I'll turn the hearts of those people to favor you. If you'll act like you believe what the man of God is preaching, I'll turn their heart so that they favor you. They were giving you hell last week, but I'll turn. Somebody holler favor. Watch this. Watch this. Say the 10th plague. You know about the 10th plague. The 10th plague, the firstborn of the Egyptians die. Now, this plague is interesting because this plague had the potential to affect the Israelites had they not applied the blood of a lamb on their doorpost. Literally, they had to take a spotless lamb, apply it at their doorpost, so that when the death angel came, the death angel would see the blood and he'd pass over. Hence, the Hebrew feast Passover, which uh, for you and I, Jesus was the final Passover lamb. So if we're Christians, then we are always passed over. But not from good things, but from negative things. Which means when, when, when sickness sees you, it's got to pass over. Why? Because the blood's there. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? When disease sees you, it's got to pass over. Why? Because the blood's there. When poverty sees you, it's got to pass over. Why? Because the blood's there. The only way something negative gets in is you got to open the door and let it in. But I think there's some people in this experience today that say, I'm shutting every door to every negative thing that I've allowed in my life. And the blood, somebody lay your hands on yourself and say the blood. The blood of Jesus, it covers you. And the blood of Jesus, it protects you. And the blood of Jesus, it keeps you. And that blood has already been shed and that blood has already been played. So you have to replete it. It's there. Somebody say it's already there. So the death angel comes. And the death angel comes a little after midnight. It was dark. Okay, somebody, come on. God. Somebody say it was dark. The death angel comes, takes one of the Egyptian sons, takes another, takes another, takes another. 
takes another, takes another. Gets to the palace. Makes its way into the chambers of Pharaoh's son. Takes him. Pharaoh, when it's dark, and when it's midnight, he calls Moses and Aaron in. And he said, you want to know what he said? In verse 31 of Exodus 12, I want you to see what he said. Then he called for Moses and Aaron. When? When it was dark. <laughs> when did he call for them? When it was. Anybody got some areas of your life? Not your whole life, but you got a couple areas of your life where it's. Just, come on. You're at Harvest. You don't have to play that religious game and act like you got it all together here. You touch your neighbor and say, be real. So I'm going to ask again, anybody got, I'm not talking about your whole life because lots of great things are happening for you. But I'm talking about there's a couple of areas where it's just, thank you. Then he called for you. Say your name. So put your name when it says Moses and Aaron. Then he called for, while it was still dark. I'm here to tell you, you need to thank God for the darkness rather than cursing the darkness. Then he called for Moses and Aaron when it was dark. Then he called for who? And he said, rise up. Get out of here. Both you and the children of Israel. And go serve the Lord. Watch this. As you have said. In other words, he said, even though you were going through some delays and even though you were going through darkness, I was keeping record of what you were saying. Oh God, somebody's going to get it in here. Which means you got to be careful what you let out of your mouth just because it's dark. You got to be careful what you let out of your mouth just because it's painful. You got to be careful what you let out of your mouth just because there's some issues. Because Pharaoh said, I've been keeping record. And he says, go serve the Lord as you have what? Said. Verse 32. Now watch this. If some of y'all don't shout off of this, that's okay. But I'm going to give an invitation to Jesus in just a moment. Also, take your flocks and your herds. Like you said. <laughs> and leave. Be gone. Get to stepping. Translation, surge up out of here. But watch this last part. And bless me also. Pharaoh became a believer. Could it be that whatever and whoever has been trying to oppress you, that before this thing is said and done, they're going to be a believer. See, what your job doesn't know is the reason the company's been doing so well it's because when you showed up there, the blessing showed up. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Jacob told Laban, he said, Laban, the reason you're doing so well is because I'm here. The reason your family ain't lost their natural born mind totally is because you in the bloodline. This? He says, he says, he says, as you have what? Said, verse 32, as you have what? Said. Now, I'm telling you, this is, this, I'm going to keep talking about this. Leave the scripture there for just a moment. Uh, please understand, uh, if you were here Wednesday, uh, if you were not here Wednesday, you know, there's no tape. 
or CD. Um, uh, you guys just got to be here. Because watch this. For those of you that were here Wednesday, should I give them? Should I do it? Do y'all do y'all want me to help you with? They ain't playing yet. I know some of y'all are real concerned. We don't stay in church all day. We don't believe in that. That's against our religion. <laughs> well, you, you, you ready? Put that verse up. As you have what? Said. Now, touch your neighbor and say, your mouth created your mess. But touch your neighbor and say, but that same mouth is about to create your surge. Can I give you some revelation as to why? Here it is. Go to James chapter 5. All right. Wednesday, they told me I could give it to you, so I'm going to give it to you. Go to James chapter 5. The scripture says, and Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Are you here? And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Come on, I need scripture. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Are you here? Come on, can y'all give me the scripture. Hallelujah. Blessed be Jesus. Glory to God. See, the Lord, I can see he's giving me a lesson in patience right now. Verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What does that mean? He's a speaking spirit that possesses a soul. You are a speaking spirit that has a soul, which is mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. Why does the Bible take the time to tell us that? Because Elijah really wasn't just like every regular believer. He was a Hebrew, but for us, that'd be believer. Because he was a man of God. And there is a different creed by which the man of God have authority and access to. It's just different. Like John 20 and 22, uh, the scripture says that Jesus had, give, leave that up though. The scripture says that Jesus had given the apostles the Holy Ghost before they went to the upper room. You thought everybody got the Holy Ghost at the same time, but the men of God had it before the people of God ever had it. So there is a different uh, creed now that the men of God operate by. So why would it say that he was, had a, he was a man with a nature like ours? Because they wanted to focus on his humanity, that he was a speaking spirit that possessed a soul, mind, thoughts, will, and emotion that lived in a physical body. Are you still with me? And he did what? Prayed? Say it with me. That it would not what? And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Now, I told him on Wednesday, and there's teachings about it in the bookstore. That must have been some show enough prayer. Anybody grow up in an old school church where the deacons used to come down front and do devotion? And they, and they would pray and... and, and I don't have time, because I'm, I'm told that I don't have no time to repeat devotion. But some of y'all know about devotion. Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord God. And Father God, you know, like, how many Father Gods is there? Father God, we love you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus, Father God. Like, God, dog, he knows you're talking to him. Touch the neighbor and say, that was some show enough prayer. Now, if it worked for Elijah, wouldn't it also work for us? So if I find out what he did, wouldn't it then tell me what I can do to get the same result? 1 Kings 17.1. Let's see what he did. And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. You already missed it. This ain't at the end, it's in the middle. And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives. You already missed it. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. Let's skip all the Tishbite and Gilead stuff. And Elijah said. 
Elijah never talked to God. Elijah talked to his problem. And I'm going to tell somebody. Touch your neighbor and say, you're going to speak yourself into a surge. You're going to speak yourself into what God has ordained for your life. Stop telling me what you see and start telling me what the word says. Somebody holler, I'm surging. So now back to our regularly scheduled message. Exodus 12, 32. And take your flocks and your herds as you have what? Said. Which means everything you speak, God calls it prayer. Every time you open your mouth, the Bible calls that prayer. Which is why, and I said this is so powerful, there are some times where you'll know you should stop saying negative stuff. But some in you is like, say some more negative. Come on, can y'all be honest with me? I know I'm not the only one. Like, you know, like, just shut up. But some in you is just like, but just keep talking, y'all. Because watch this. Because if you'll speak it, you'll see it. Pharaoh said, take your flocks and your herds as you have said. And be gone and bless me also. Verse 33. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in what? Haze. What does that mean? Quick. What does that mean? Fast. What's another word for that? Surge. For they said, we shall all be dead. In other words, they're like, this death angel going to come mess with everybody. Verse 35. Now, the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. Well, wait a minute. The children of Israel had done according to the word of the man of God. The children of Israel had did according to the word of the bishop. See, some of you, the reason why this whole surge concept for 2015 is messing with you, because you're sitting there talking about, I just don't believe, I just, I just, I just read the book. Now, the children of Israel did what they pastor told them. And they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. Verse 36, and the Lord had given the people what? Preferential treatment. That's what favor means. In the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Slaves on Sunday. By Monday at 12.05. Broke at 11.59. But by 12.05. Didn't know how it was going to work at 12.01. But by 12.05, didn't look like it was going to work in their favor at 12.04. But at, this happened suddenly and overnight. It was a surge. When it was dark, Pharaoh said, surge. Which means, everybody, you got some dark areas in your life. That's exactly when God says, Surge. One of the worst things people can do is pull away from God because they have darkness. Let me tell all you church sabbaticalers. The worst thing you could do. Are you serving sabbaticalers? It's the worst thing you could do. You internet campus sabbaticalers. I'm making it up. That's the worst thing you could do. You Roku I just need some time. No, you don't. God starts talking to you about a surge when it's dark. He doesn't talk about a surge when it's good. He talks about a surge when it's dark. Now, watch this. Watch this. All that's great, right? I mean, they left overnight rich, which evidently tells me that the promised land wasn't money. 
It was greater than that. It was a lifestyle. The kingdom of heaven is not a place to live. It is a lifestyle. That's what Jesus promised. He didn't promise you heaven a place to live. He promised you the kingdom of heaven, which is a lifestyle. The kingdom of heaven is a lifestyle whereby you bring heaven to earth. You're not trying to die to get over there. You're living well to bring over there down here. So he made them rich overnight, which means the money was never the problem. You keep thinking, man, I just, when I get to my promised land, I did it this morning. I'm going to do it again. Somebody give me some money. I'll give that to you. Never mind. I don't need your money. I got some money right here. We have, sometimes we have these euphoric thoughts of what it means to be blessed. Like, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Money's falling. Favor's just falling. Oh, I receive the reign of Jesus. Glory to God. I have no problems. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. I just woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Mm -mm. The promised land doesn't mean the absence of pressure or problems. It just means that pressure and problems now have purpose. You think, when am I going to have no problems? That day ain't coming. I said, that day ain't coming. Because the moment you stop having challenges is the moment you stop advancing. Somebody say, that's great, Bishop. They surged overnight. But can we really have a real conversation? Give me four more minutes. Can we have a real conversation? Okay, if God is all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, why did it take all that? Why did it take God so long seeing he could have done it instantly? Why didn't Moses just show up and say, we finna leave? No, you ain't. Be seated. Have your seat. Watch this. Be encouraged. Why didn't he do that? Why did it take so long? Let's be honest. You got stuff in your life right now that you've been saying, God, why is it taking so long? Can I teach you something? Patience is not waiting. Patience is what you do while you wait. Which means you can say, I'm real patient, but no, you complain while you wait, so you're not patient, you just wait. Now, watch this. Why didn't God just do it instantly? Have you ever wanted to see God do that? Just like, boom. Just done. Like you just pray for healing, and all of a sudden, just the body part just, whoop, that is. You pray for your kids to act right. All of a sudden, they come dressed up, they nice, they iron, they close. Good morning, mother and father. How might I serve you on this fine day? Like, that's all right. I'll take that all day long. Go on, uh, make me some biscuits and some grits and some hot links, the red ones, the red ones. And burn them because they don't really taste good unless they're burnt. Some of y'all know about them red hot links. Come on, I got to win it. Some of y'all know about them red hot links. You got to burn it. It don't even taste good unless it's burnt. Mary bought me some hot links one time. I said, you need to go cook this. I boiled it. Boiled it? I don't want no boiled hot <laughs> Better go cook that thing and burn it. <laughs> and then cut them in half and let the little skin stretch. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Okay, watch this. <laughs> okay, watch this. <laughs> God, dog. 
Okay, somebody call my order in right now. <laughs> Where the bistro cooks at? Where they at? I, we're going to need a special special delivery today. Ain't, I know it ain't no bistro today. They're going to have to use something special. Amen. They got to do what the man of God says. It was the Bible. Do what the man of God says. <laughs> What's this? Bishop, why did it take so long? One answer for all my note takers. Like, Bishop, what are the points? There's one. Our faith increases fastest when it's under pressure. Amen. I said this morning, when you go up in the South, um, a Sunday afternoon, there's a familiar sound in most southern homes. And that sound is the sound of a pressure cooker. Because, uh, because they started the greens or whatever, they started it that morning. And then by the time you get home from church, because you had to go back to church that night. And so, you know, you may have got, you say so you went to church at like nine, you know what I'm saying, had Sunday school, BTU, this here, this here, this here. And then, you know, service supposed to start at 11, pastor got to about 11.45. Deacons wasn't up for devotion until about 11.40. And so you don't get home until like 2, 2.30. And then watch this. And so then you, you had to eat after church. And so you take your, your after church nap. You know, you, know about, you know about your after church nap. Where it could be 100 degrees outside. You turn the air on, got the covers on. Talking about, mm, glory to God. You let the TV watch you. Come on, y'all know about that after church nap. Some of y'all, you come to church because you look forward to the after church nap. You're like, I can't wait to get home to go to sleep. Now, <laughs> now, watch. Say the pressure cooker. You know, and then when they leave it on there, it starts hollering at you. Why'd they put stuff in pressure cookers? Cook faster. Why have you been feeling pressure? To get you to the surge faster. I'm going to say this another way. I'm going to say this another way. Here it is. I, I'm getting ready to close right here. What's this? The answer to why it took so long is found in Exodus 7 and 3. Here it is. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Y'all, y'all, wait a minute. Hold, hold, hold on. Just let me have Wait a minute. Come on, cameraman. Now, Lord Jesus. Father God, Father God. You mean to tell me this whole time where he ain't let us go wasn't because the devil was doing it. Wasn't because he was doing it. You were making his heart hardened. What do you do when it takes so long, because he's making it take that long. If Pharaoh's heart was hardened by God, and the plagues happened to soften his heart, but then God hardened his heart, that means that the pressure they felt from the plagues came from God. What do you do when God's behind the pressure? Tell your neighbor, say, that's good news. If I know God's behind the pressure... The reason I'm not worried is because he already told me he wouldn't put more on me. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. If I know that God is behind the pressure, I'm not worried about if it's going to kill me. I know it can't kill me because God is for me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? So if I know he's the one behind the pressure, you ought to holler, thank you, Jesus. Bishop, why am I telling them thank you? Because the pressure you've been feeling, he did it. 
Now, this is a bit peculiar because, because if God told Pharaoh to say no, who was going to be able to get him to give him a yes? See, some of you, you've been rebuking and binding and ain't nothing left. See, the scripture says resist the devil and he will flee. Which means if you, re if you rebuke it and pray against it and it leaves, it's the enemy. If you rebuke it and it doesn't leave, maybe it's God. What do you do? Can I just talk for a minute? What do you do when God, come here, Jacob. What do you do when God says, I'm behind the lamp? What do you do when God, come here, Paul, when God says, I'm behind the thorn in your flesh? I'm not taking it. Are you here? What do you do when God says, I'm doing it? And beside me, there is, who you going to pray to if I say no? It's quiet in here. But touch your neighbor and say, but that's good news. See, remember, the Israelites lived in Goshen, meaning that none of the plagues directly affected the Israelites, but it indirectly affected the quality of lives. In other words, the pressure was around them, but it didn't get in them. Often, the pressure you feel in life is from God because pressure is an usher designed to get you to the designated or desired place. When you come into the door, uh, the welcome team, they'll tell you, you know, you tell how many people you got, and they'll tell you, okay, good, you're going to sit here. Now, here's the deal. Some of you who maybe come from disorderly environments, you're like, I ain't sitting there. I'm going to sit over here. And then they kindly tell you, no, you're going to sit right here. Thank God for you. Be encouraged. Now, there's many practical reasons for that, but here's the point I want, want you to get. You thought you knew the seat you needed to be in. But the role of the usher is to put you in the proper seat so that, because watch this, it's bigger than just you getting your seat. It's other people that must be seated. Which means the pressure you feel is an usher saying, down this road, down this aisle, on this seat. Okay, all right, watch this. Let, let, me, let, me, let me move. Let me, let me hasten to a close. Pressure is often necessary for your faith to increase. The pressure, say the pressure. Anybody got some pressure? No, I mean really like some show enough pressure like. What if I told you God's doing it? Because you prayed for it to go, and it didn't. What if somebody in the overflow is getting it because y'all ain't shouting, but they shouting. What if what you asked God to fix and he didn't, he said, no, I ain't going to do that. Because there's pressure. And that pressure, I'm accomplishing something in it. So what could he be accomplishing? Here it is, Hebrews 11 and 1. It's in the text. Now faith, pistis in the Greek, which is fact versus truth. The fact may be the pressure's on. The truth is the pressure's working for your good. The fact may be you don't have enough money to make it to the end of the month. The truth is because you're a giver, your God shall supply. Oh, the fact may be the doctor says this doesn't look good. The truth is with his stripes I was already healed. It's not a question of if, stop saying, Lord, if it's your will. Then that means you evidently aren't convinced. He already told you his will because with his stripes, you were already healed. Say, it's settled. 
now. Truth is the substance. Substance literally means there a legal understanding. It means hypostasis. It means it's a legal understanding. Say there's a legal understanding. Say there's an agreement here. You, you, uh, uh, time. Uh, now faith, truth is the substance, meaning under a legal understanding of things. That, that just means pragma in the Greek. It means practical. Hoped for. Hope means to what? Anticipate and welcome. The evidence, evidence in Greek means test or pressure. Miss it. Leave the verse up. Now, faith is the substance of things I anticipate and welcome. It is the pressure of things I can't see. Now, I need you to get this. I need you to get this because you'll never look at problems the same way if you'll get this. I told you something explosive was going to happen in this atmosphere. What's explosive is that your mindset's getting ready to change. You're going to start looking at your pressure and you're going to start smiling. And people are going to be like, why are you smiling after I just told you that bad news? Because I found out on Sunday that he's behind the pressure. And that my faith works best when it's under pressure. And it increases fastest when it's under pressure. Here it is. Faith is the substance of things I anticipate and welcome. It is the pressure of things I cannot see or discern there in the Greek. But so what does that mean? Why did the plagues come before the surge out of Egypt? Because the plagues were an indication that the surge was coming. The pressure caused the, uh, that the, uh, was created by the plagues were an indication that the surge was coming. Whatever pressure you're facing now has nothing to do with what's currently going on in your life. Your pressure has peaked into your future. And it looked around the curtain. And it said, "Woo! looks like a surge getting ready to happen in their life. And they sitting up there going to that church, they believe that. They sitting up here believing that word. They're believing they're getting ready to have a powerful forward movement and advancement. So the pressure comes from the future. Verse, the pressure of things not seen. The pressure on you now is because of something manifesting you can't see. Let, let me talk over here because they ain't saying nothing. The, the pressure you're facing now ain't because of the house you just got, the job you just got, the breakthrough you had. It's because it's seeing your future. The pressure of things I can't see or discern, which means when pressure comes, the greens are done. Somebody go get, y'all don't know nothing about pressure because that's why you ain't shouting. When it started making noise, they would go say, take it off the stove, take it off the heat. Why? It's done. I'm here to tell you by the time the pressure shows up, God says, I need somebody that believes what they just heard out of this word. The pressure that's on you is evidence that it's already. I said it's already. Somebody holler, thank God for my pressure. Now give him praise if you thank him for it. Give him praise if you thank him for it. 
want to do something real quick. I didn't do this at last. I want to do something real quick. If you got some heavy, heavy pressure, I'm not going to call you the altar. I'm just going to have you stay in your seats for the sake of brevity. If you got some heavy, heavy pressure, just throw your hands up. I'm going to pray for you. Throw, throw them up and leave them up. Father, you see the pressure of your people. Today, the announcement from you is you're behind it. And the announcement from you is it's an indication that the surge is done. When the pressure cooker makes noise, it's an indication that it's done. I said it's done. I said it's done. That breakthrough, it's done. Your finances, it's done. That increase, it's done. Somebody shout, it's done. So, Father, strengthen the hands of your people. Fortify the hands of your people. Fortify the lives of your people. Don't you grow weary in well-doing. Your faith works best under pressure. I said it works best under pressure. Now faith is the evidence. It's the evidence. It's the pressure. It's the test of something you can't even see. You shall surge. You shall surge. In fact, let me fix that. You are surging. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologists recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's.